Main Street to Wall Street. Global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, this week we're going to be talking about books from Beats to Books. Today's guest has them all covered. Michael Bees is the CEO of Atlas Elite Publishing Partners, a firm dedicated to making the book inside of you a reality. He's personally rebranded more than 1,000 books into bestsellers. Oh my gosh, that's a lot of books. He's also the CEO of Raver Magazine, an online publication for fans of electronic dance music. Michael, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me here on the show. Hey, now, don't ask me my favorite electronic song, because I can't tell you that. Maybe if it's country western, I could do that. But even (laughs) then, that would be a chance. Now, there's so much to talk about. Let's start with book publishing. How do you rebrand an existing book to make it a bestseller? You have to lay the foundation, right? And everybody focuses on publishing, but nobody really focuses on marketing and selling it. So the key that I found over the years is you really got to figure out what the right keywords are, what the right genres are, right, what the right subcategories are, what's trending, and then focus on the coding for the description because your description really will help enhance your book via the keywords that people are searching for on Amazon. That sounds so simple, but most people don't do it. I mean, just Google to find out if your title is even searchable, you know, to find out whether or not the keywords that you have in your title are even words that are people are looking up. You know, my first book was the mirror test. You know, this was 12 years ago. And I think now there's no way I would have called it the mirror test because that's not the kind of things you'd be searching, right? Absolutely. I mean, you never know. You never know. (laughs) Different kinds of mirrors all the way around. Anyway. What's the most successful book you've ever rebranded? Um, I would say the the most successful book I have is called uh, Goodbye Homeboys by uh, Steve Mariotti. You know, I would say that would be the biggest one. He was a he runs a huge nonprofit called the Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship in the in the country, and uh, it was a story about his life. But yeah, it turned into a movie and everything. It's going to be a pretty big pretty big thing. So that would be one of the best ones that I've done. Fantastic. Well, you know, I know a lot about you and the work you've been doing. And one of the things we do is we talk about Amazon all the time, because that's really a big game for a lot of people who are out there with business books. If you want to be a content leader, you got to play on Amazon. What can existing authors do to improve their Amazon rankings? One of the things that they should do is really try to understand their keywords, right? Understand what, because remember, Amazon and Google work in the same way. It's just a search engine. One's searching for information. The other is searching for products to sell you, right? It's the same thing. So if you understand what keywords to apply to your book and what categories to classify your book in, immediately you'll start ranking better. That would be the first thing I would do. So a lot of people, you know, don't understand the game of content right now, Michael. And you and I talk a lot about this. You're in one of our mastermind groups with some of the greatest thought leaders there are in the country. And we do a great deal around this. Now, a lot of thought leaders know it's important to have a book, but a lot of business people should know that this is the way to stand out in their category. What do you think about that? I think you're hundred percent right. I mean, you know, we're living in a new world, right? And books in general are a business card to help you get more business, especially, you know, in that space, branding yourself as a number one best-selling author in X business will help you stand out from the other 8 million books that were published on business last year alone. Right. And, you know, it's definitely, 
you know, while books are like your calling card, branding yourself as a best-selling author will enhance already what you have. So, you know, I, I 100% agree with you on that. And it doesn't make a difference whether you're a dry cleaner or you're a leader on Wall Street or, you know, a Fortune 100 company, you know, being that leader in the category, being the person who's known for whatever that is. And, you know, you don't even have to sell the book, do you, Michael? I mean, you can give it away. You can you mentioned using it as a calling card. From at least from a not you know from a nonfiction perspective and a in a business perspective, you're really using it just to, for branding, really. Yeah. You know, and but you still have to sell books in order to get to number one, right? So it, it goes hand in hand. But you know, I, without boring everybody to death, you know, I I promoted a guy who in New York who had a, a a yoga studio of all things, right? And he said, well, why is it important that I become number one on my yoga book? I'm like, well, because you're trying not necessarily to sell a million yoga books, <laughs> but you're trying to get so many clients to take your class. So, you know, that's a simple analogy, but it could be applied to anything. Like you said, a dry cleaner, it could be applied to, you know, the best cigar shop in the world. Why is it the best? You know, because we live in a world where, where, you know, it's constantly being viewed through a lens of validation, right? And if you could validate yourself as a leading expert in that field, that in general is going to drive more business and more revenue to, to your other products and services that you're selling. And speaking of downward dog, I need to stretch for a moment, take a break, and let me come right back after this message. That sounds great. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we are back. We're talking with Michael, who's been helping make people a bestseller for a lot of years. Michael Beast, he's the CEO of Atlas Elite Publishing Partners, a firm dedicated to making the book inside of you a reality. Now, you really t- think about that, don't you? You're a believer that everyone has a book in them waiting to get out? 100%. We all have a story to tell. And and you think the book is the best way to tell the story? Well, what about podcasting over a book? I think you should do a combination of both. I think you could turn a podcast into a book, and I feel you could turn a book into a podcast, right? There's yeah. no right or wrong. I mean, I think, you know, we live in a digital world. And, it, you know, when you say book, it doesn't always have to be a physical book. It could be an ebook, It could be an audio book. There's so many avenues you could take with it, but the key is to tell your story and have people listen. That's the hard part, right? Once you write the story and tell the story, how do you get people to buy it, read it, listen, and take you seriously? And that's what we do. Yeah, right here on my desk, I've got my next book, which we're going to make an ebook, and I got to get to proofing it uh, right away. <laughs> you know how? And I've done this um, now four time bestseller. Hopefully a fifth time we'll be able to do that. Um, I always appreciate the fact that we've been made a bestseller. But let's talk about how should a first-time book author get their ideas out of their head, you know, and onto paper, or in this case, onto a digital format? Oh, if you're starting out, the biggest thing to do is to create an outline, right? Um, I think people start writing and they don't really see the end. (laughs) So then they, they have to backtrack. And then now they've wasted, you know, six months, eight months, And they're like, wow, I don't know how to finish this, right? So I think the first thing you should do is create an outline, really understand where you're going with it, and then lay it out in chapters, right? If you have a podcast and you're a business leader, it's simple. You, you know, you you, same thing. You develop an outline, you figure out, you know, these are the people I want to interview, this is what I want to talk about. And then from there you convert that into, you know, a book or an ebook and and whatnot. You know, it's always been interesting, the process I've used, Michael, in the past. I've always had a a ghostwriter, Jim Eber, who's (laughs) captured my voice. The first person I had that I was working with didn't work out very well. We started the proposal. We started the book outline. We started a lot. It just didn't work out. 
my agent replaced it, found Jim Eber, who had done a cookbook prior to doing me with me, which I guess I was just uh, waiting to be, I don't know, uh, basted or something. But anyway, he did a great job and we've been working together for now over a decade and continues to do a great job. But we, you, you, you mentioned the outline. We do that. That's what we do. We, he's in Boston. So usually I take a trip up to Boston or he comes to New York and we sit in a room for a day and we basically just knock out all the ideas of the things that we think. And, and then we rearrange them on the board, you know, very simple. And then boom, boom, we've got a, we've got 10 chapters that we think we're going to have. We got some sub stories underneath each of those chapters that we think we're going to do. And by the way, we take the next month knocking the book out literally in a month. Uh, we're yeah. knocking that book out. Not everybody can do that. I know, but what's the average length that takes somebody to do a book? It depends. You know, everybody's writing level is at a different, as a different thing. You know, you mentioned your ghostwriter, which is a great thing to do. Like for me personally, I would have a ghostwriter write my book, right? Because I have great ideas and great concepts and I could tell the story, but to actually, you know, grammatically put it together, it's a little, who's got time for that, right? But, you know, there's some authors, you know, maybe not in the nonfiction space, but on like the, you know, thriller, romance, suspense, that type of world where they can write. So if you're doing that, I would say anywhere from nine months to 12 months from a business perspective, you know, nonfiction books, I would say maybe five to six months. It all depends on how good your ghostwriter is. You said you, you know, you, you had one, it didn't work out. You hired one to cook up some sauce and then, you know, you found a good mix. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's interesting how well it captures the voice, but it does take a special person to do that. You have to be in sync with one another way you work. And, you know, the way we work is that, you know, every night he would call me and we would, I would just riff and he would, the next morning he would turn that he'd work all night the next morning, turn it into real copy. And then once that copy, I'd look at it. I'd have a couple other people look at the copy, make changes, send it back to them. And the next week we do it again. And we did this, you know, literally every other night we would do this, get together at least two to three nights a week, just to knock out that book that way. And, and do a regular cadence. Cause once you get that creative juice flowing, it it really helps to do that. Yeah. I got to tell you one other little story, if you don't mind, but Jim, Jim gets so sassy sometimes and he gets (laughs) sassy with his wife. And she'll say, stop being like Hazlet. That's what she says every so often when he's when he gets aggressive or gets a little tough on business. I love it. I love but it. Let me ask you, you know, we, you know, you make a lot of mistakes when you do a book. And I did as well. What do you think the first time authors get wrong? My honest opinion? Yeah, sure. Well, no, I want you to lie to us. Uh, of course we want. Well, no, the I mean, opinion. I could fluff anything up, Jeff. I mean, I can say, you know. <laughs> I think covers, I could say something vanilla like that, you know, but if you want the truth, my, I feel, and you know, I feel the biggest mistake that authors make is confuse a traditional publisher with a vanity publisher. Mm. I think that's the biggest, that's the biggest, or does you it know, make a difference? Does it make a, a difference? You know, yeah. I shouldn't say vanish, call it a hybrid publisher. Yeah, it does. It, it makes a huge difference because if you go with a traditional publisher and there's caveats to that. But if you go with a big publisher, say the top five, Putnam, Simon & Schuster, Random House, you know, McGraw-Hill, Scholastic, and they're willing to pay you a you know, huge advance, they're also going to not just pay you a huge advance and not sell books, right? They're going to pay you a huge advance and then put a half a million dollar marketing budget behind you to sell that book so they could get the 250000 back plus whatever else on the top, right? Because they're in business to make money just like everybody else. Because of Amazon, they changed the, the, the whole thing restructured, right? Publishing is now a whole new dimension of, you know, not every, everybody could in essence be a writer. Whether or not you're going to be a good writer is another story, right? 
in that mix, in that transition, you know, hybrids came out and, you know, so a person who wrote a book would be like, oh, I'm going to get a publisher. But are you really, though? That's the question, you know, and I feel that a lot of authors in the beginning, they confuse a hybrid publisher with a traditional publisher, right? A hybrid is not going to give you an advance. They might give you a thousand bucks, but their goal is not really to sell your book. Their goal is to sell you back your own book, right? Because that's how they make a profit. So a book that might cost you on the independent side, $5 to print, right? Um, They're going to charge you maybe $15 to buy from them. And that's how they make their money, right? So, and then they lock you in for a two-year contract, some maybe, some less, some more, whatever. But I think really understanding what you're signing and who you're partnering with is um, the thing. If you don't get a big advance in the beginning and they don't have any marketing money to do it, you might as well just do it on your own. And most most authors aren't going to get that advance. I've been lucky enough right. to be able to do that. You know, McGraw, you mentioned McGraw-Hill, Hachette, and Entrepreneur Press has done my last two books with Entrepreneur Magazine, which I've been pretty excited about. Uh, we were their lead author to be able to do that. And uh, for the most part, that's that's a very small group of people that do that. So you want to pick your partners very, very carefully, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. And the reason to be 100% candid why you got those deals is because of who you are, right? You are a personality. You are a person of influence, right? And that's what they're looking for. I mean, that's that they're able to pick that now because there's so many people who are writing books. And they're, they're looking for bank. That's what we say. That's the, yeah. Right. If you're a person like Jeffrey Hazlitt, you know, Kodak guru, I mean, you know, of course, they're going to want to publish your book and give you an advance because they already know on the upside, the flip side, they're going to turn that profit. So it's really, those are few and far in between. So that's something. Yeah. That you want, And by the way, they want to know your, they want to know your, you know, your marketing list, how big's your reach, your right. following everything else. I mean, we're showing them a market plan. And I, in fact, my second book, I actually sold more pre-sales than the actual salespeople at McGraw. And right. so I challenged them in a meeting that, look, I've already pre-sold more than you guys have. So get your rear ends moving, which is exactly what I told them. All right. Speaking of rear ends moving, I need to take another quick break and I come right back after this message. That's great. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we are back. I'm talking to Michael Bees, is CEO of Atlas Elite Publishing Partners, a firm dedicated to making the book inside of you a reality. And he's personally rebranded more than a thousand books into bestseller. So we're talking to an expert and we're talking about all things about the things you need to do uh, to get this book right. Now, you also uh, need to know a thing or two about SEO. What do you think most writers and business people get wrong about SEO? Well, the the first thing they get wrong is they don't they know how to write and they have great ideas, but not everybody's in the SEO space, right? SEO, by the way, search engine optimization. I had to define that the other day for somebody because I was talking, assuming they knew what I was talking about and they didn't. But um, yeah, so understanding trends, understanding keywords. Under, remember, you're going up against people. You know, if you're in the nonfiction world, maybe Tony Robbins, maybe Oprah Winfrey, maybe Dr. Phil with Renee, Renee Brown. Every time right. I release Renee a book, Brown. Renee Brown's releasing a book. We're on the same cycle every right. 24 months. And it's good and bad because the good part is, well... She, everybody says, well, if you like Renee Brown's book, you're going to love Jeff Hazel's book. That's one. And then the bad news is it's Renee Brown. So I'm, right. I'm competing against a mega, mega author. <laughs> that's, that's the, that's a challenge, right? So understanding trends, understanding who you're up against and the budgets that you're up against, right? You know, that's, that's the biggest challenge. So if you understand what's trending on Amazon, you know, what keywords are trending when uh, to the best as you can to understand who's dropping what book, when. Um, 
you know, that's, that's really one of the keys. Let me ask you something. You mentioned something about, you know, the book publishers sometimes selling books to the authors, which yep. is a big thing because I buy a lot of books. I negotiate into my contract to get them for a couple bucks a piece, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that we do. I've been an old printer, so I know what those things cost. I know what yep. the value of that is. I, I try to make them a little bit of money from time to time too. So maybe it's five, maybe it's six bucks. Depends on what it is. We do is kind of a sliding scale, but I want to give those books out. I don't want to resell them. That's the big thing I, I'm talking to my publisher about. How do you negotiate that price up front? I think understanding, right? Knowledge is like the key to, to, to be successful. And like what you said, you're in that space, right? So you, you know, especially like on the printer space, how much it really costs to make a book, right? I'd say 95% of authors, that doesn't even occur to them. I would say 100% of the people I talk to don't even understand that they're really upselling you on your own book. And that's their, that's their business model, right? So just the fact that now through this interview, they could say, oh, if you are going to go the hybrid route, how much is it per book? And can I negotiate that? They may or may not want to even publish you at that point, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's, that's really the question because that's really how they're making money. So just that fact that you're, that you understand that and that people are listening to this and knowing that that's even a thing, um, I think will have a big impact. Well, and I remember a few years ago, Barnes and Noble gave out my book as part of an ebook giveaway. So when you bought their Nook, you got five free books. Uh, J John Grisham, myself, the Rice, the author of The Vampire, I can't remember her first name, but uh, Rice was her last name. Very, very successful. And a couple other books as well. And uh, it was great, but I had to negotiate with entrepreneurs saying, "Hey, this is a good thing." They go, "But they're giving it away." I said, "But they're, you know, they're, they're." they're I said, "What? Which? Which ebook do you have in front of you?" And of course, they all use the Kindle. I said, "So shut up and accept the deal." You know, it was a good deal, and they paid. I think they paid eighty-five cents a book or something like that, which is great. I didn't make any money off of it, just like I don't make much money when Amazon sells my books because they use my book as a loss leader, and we see that from time to time. And these are all things you got to keep thinking about. Well, listen, that's about the books. I got a couple minutes left. I have to ask you about electronic dance music. How the heck did you become a leading expert in that genre? Oh my gosh, that is a great question. <laughs> I started it about eight years ago now. Gosh, I'm dating myself. Eight years ago, I started electronic dance music. I love to write and I love to write about music. And I went to a music festival in Miami called Ultra Music Festival. And mm. uh, I saw 50,000 plus people there. And I'm like, what is going on? Eight stages, mind you, $500 a ticket, right? So you could do the math on that. And I'm like, you know, my grandfather was a famous musician. He wrote a famous, um, I, my family's from Cuba, a famous Cuban song called Guantanamera, huge uh, Hall of Fame song. So I always had music in my background. Don't ask me to play guitar. Don't ask me to play any instrument, but I do have an ear for music. And uh, I thought, you know, what a better way to really interview people that are performing in front of thousands of people through nothing but no vocals sometimes, just mm. dance music. And when I peeled back the layers, I realized that all of these celebrities that are vocalists, right? It didn't always start with them. It started with the beat, with the melody, and then they brought in the vocals. And then together, you know, they got to the Grammys and they got on the billboards, top charts and whatnot. That's a lot like book authors. You know what I mean? When, I, when, I'm, so. when I'm listening to you talk about it, I could take out music and put in authors. I could take out authors and put in music and I get the same thing. It's all about marketing content, right? A hundred percent. And a lot, that's the thing. A lot of, a lot of the music side is run by 
you know, the labels, the music labels and the book world is run by the top 10 publishers. Right. And then you have the other musicians and the other authors, however bucket you want to put it in. Right. All trying to do the same thing, elevate themselves. So that's kind of how that that all goes down. Well, Michael, it's a pleasure visiting with you. Thanks so much for being here with us on All Business with Jeffrey. Is it teaching everyone a little bit about how to become a bestseller and a little bit about that electronic music as well? It's been a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jeff. I appreciate being here. Hey, at the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned about. Today's phrase was lens of validation. Lens of validation. I really like that term because that's what an author puts you into. And that is the being the expert, being the expert. That's right. It's all about content these days. And you've got to be able to stand out from everybody else. And so you're going to be measured or looked at through different kinds of glasses every single day by all these people that want to do business with you. So have the lens of validation by being an author, being an expert, being a podcaster, and getting that content out so everybody knows about you. That's what I learned about right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett right here on C-Suite Radio. Don't forget, tell your friends to listen to the show. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.